Hello world, thanks for tuning in to Colorado Backcountry Conversations. Where we talk about all things nomad life and interview fellow adventurers who live their passions in the wilds of nature. To get a deeper look into what I have going on, check out my website at coloradobackcountryadventures.com. And for a glimpse into my mind, pop over to normal2nomad.com. All right, so today uh, what we're going to do is we're going to run through a few things real quick, uh, a few different topics. One of them is to recap the podcast that we have with Chris and Caitlin with their six-month African motorcycle adventure tour. And then uh, the main topic we're going to talk about today is off-grid energy for the nomadic lifestyle. So that's just going to be more based on our experiences with what we're using currently for our current lifestyles because both Baron and I, we live a little bit different in the backcountry, and so our needs are, are uh, different with that. But um, that's what we're going to cover today, and, and I think we should just go ahead and dive in and talk about Chris and Kayla. Sure. We'll so, start. yeah, I, I was just super impressed with, uh, with how, how free-flowing it was. Yeah. You know, it's like once they started talking, it was off to the races, and uh, they'd be like, oh, man. And then, you know, you could tell when they were telling the story that it brought up another memory and then another memory. And right. So they had all these memories, and it was like, like, the, like I didn't realize how hard their trip was in certain areas where they said they went that 300 miles with that limited water. Yeah. And, it took them like five or six days to go 300 miles through sand with, with bikes. And you got to think like, okay, like what's that look like in 120 degree weather and their suits are covered with the salt from their sweat. That's it's so brutal. Yeah. But it's like, but it, even then he was like, oh man, it was still, it was great riding. Right. I'm like, man, you must love riding because right. I'd be out there bitching like crazy. Right. It <laughs> seemed like it would be relatively miserable. Yeah. But they loved it. Yeah. And I was also impressed by how dynamic they were. Like, in their routing and everything that they did, they uh-huh. didn't have an exacting plan. It was it was more, like, adapt to the situation. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that probably lends itself well to that sort of travel. Because, like, they were saying there were some areas that weren't even on GPS. Yeah. Like, that's, that, that's when you know you're in the sticks, man. Right. Something that also stuck out to me that Chris said is that he always has in his mind a way out of a situation. That's a good idea because I don't do that. No, like whether you got to walk or like get a hold of somebody or uh-huh. whatever, whatever the, the shit hits the fan scenario <clears throat> is, just knowing the solution to that in your mind and keeping that present mm-hmm. is an awesome practice that I should definitely adopt. Yeah, and I think that'd be really important too for... Like backpacking trips, I always try to make sure I have a way out, but my only way out right now really is my GPS. Right. So it's like, it'd be better if I could come up with a few other options. Totally. That way if the GPS breaks or something doesn't work with that, it's like I have a backup plan. Yeah. And even when we're camping super far out, you know? Yeah. We got to, like, what if the car broke down? Mm-hmm. You know, what if... What, what if, if you... freak snow? That happened yeah. to me one time. What if, what, what if you fell and... And broke your leg, or right. you know, or incapacitated yourself. Yeah, you know, would also be able to get out if right. the vehicle was down and you were incapacitated, or vice versa. Right, you yeah. know, stuff like that. And I think in my situation, since I'm solo, I definitely need to think about that more. Totally. You know, I need to take that into more account and be more responsible when it comes to adventuring, because you know, all it takes is. Uh, well, a shoelace getting tangled up with the other boot with one of the hooks on it for your shoelaces and you could trip on a trail. And... Or a battery dying in your car. You know? Yeah. If you're like up um, like on a far out trail uh-huh. and turn off the car yep. and then it doesn't start again, you know, like that's yeah. pretty vulnerable there. Yeah. And in my situation, you know, I've, I've only got that little 20 watt battery bank, but, um, you know, if I didn't have everything charged up and if there was no sunlight, like I could be literally electronically dead in the backcountry. Yeah. 
and that could be as far deep as I got. Right. And that that's not a good situation. So I think that doing a little more planning on my my side is probably what's yeah. it was an eye opener, you know. And just being mindful. Yeah. Um being mindful of that. Yeah, I thought that really stuck out to me. Yeah. I thought another thing that was cool about their podcast was like they didn't express fear of travel. It's, you know, and like they were saying, like, get out there. It's not as dangerous yeah. as you think. Like, it's relatively safe. And I think that due to Chris's already, you know, he did that two years world tour. Like, that's insane. So he, he's probably really comfortable like with that. Tenured. Yeah. And then, like, plus, too, they travel a bunch. I mean, they've been all over. Yeah. So it's just, it's just cool to see an adventure couple like that. That's generally the life. sentiment, though, after people travel mm-hmm. is, like, hey, it shouldn't be scary. It's not as scary as you think. Yeah. And that's, like, everything. Yeah, you know? exactly. Because all you hear about things. is the bad news. Right. You know, you never hear, like, hey, you know, everything was going great in Tijuana today. Right. And you just hear, like, about the gang violence and stuff. But there's gang violence in Chicago. There's gang right. violence in Denver. You know, it's, it's all relative. Yeah, exactly. So... What else is going on? You want to jump into winter plans quick? Yeah, my, my winter plans changed a little bit. Originally, I was going to be in the cabin after December, um, but unfortunately, uh, that's not available anymore. So what I'm planning to do is do more winter camping in the tent, and then I'm going to put together a possible uh, marketing collaboration scenario and reach out to a few companies I work with to see if after, say... January 15th, if I could hit the road full-time and go down to the southwest of the United States and do, like, a full-time travel video document series about, you know, traveling through the southwest in the spring and see if the other companies would bite on that. So uh, my plans are morphing right now, but I'm still going back to Kansas in October and watching my folks' place and doing a a little bit of work on my truck, and then I'll be back out in November. What are you doing to your truck? I'm going to make the door bigger in the back. Oh, right. Yeah, and then I think, too, I may redo the shelves on the sides, the ones that... Right now, it's just a singular shelf, but if I can make it to where I could have another shelf that comes up and maybe clips on top of it, okay. and, and then have some doors on the front, like cabinets, so I could legitimately put things in there that wouldn't like flop around when I'm four-wheeling. Because yeah. the problem that I have is that I can p- pack everything in there real nice when, I, when I'm packed up the slide-out extension, but with the way I four-wheel and, and you know the truck top you know tippy, like the way it is back and forth, I can get in there and everything's like scrambled eggs. You know? Yeah, that's something so, that we definitely need to that work on in the scamp is what, how to, our food, uh-huh. um, for example, because it's so adaptive, like depending on where we are, what groceries are available, if we're working on the farm, our food situation is always changing, so we haven't yet found a system that can house all of the potential variables that we throw at it. Yeah, and, and, and there's different food for different types of year, too. It's right. like with the winter food, typically the way that I eat in the winter is I eat heavier. We eat a lot more soup in the winter, too. Do you? See, and I eat, I eat a lot more breads and stuff. And like, yeah. like if I if I do 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 soup, it'll be like in a bread bowl sure. you know, or something like that. Well, those bread bowls are huge. And like, yeah. You know, so where do I store that? Right. Things like that. But I, I think what I would like to do, though, this winter is that, you know, given the injuries that I have, my back has just been killing me lately. Um, I think given those, you know, maybe not being in the cabin is a blessing because I was loading about 500 pounds of wood in the boiler a day for the main ranch house, and that that jacked my back up by the end of the winter. I was I was having a tough time. Yeah. And, you know, when when you have a lower back that's like out of place, when your vertebrae are pulled out of place like that from where my sciatica affects the muscles around it, it just is miserable. Like you can't sleep. You can't do hardly anything. Everything is painful. So how much of the winter do you think you'll stay in Colorado then? I think probably, so I'll get back in November and stay through like January. Then probably bounce in January. Because okay. like February is pretty gnarly and it's really windy. Okay. So 
the thing about being in the tent as opposed to like a cabin is when it's windy like that, it's typically noisy. And so sleep's at a premium. That makes sense. Yeah. So, but I would like this winter, what I would like to do when I'm tent camping is be close to the firewood cutting areas. Is, is be uh, be close to the firewood cutting areas. And then uh, that way it's 10, 10 bucks for a permit from the Forest Service to do firewood cutting. And then you can cut. Really? I was wondering yeah. about that. Yeah, you just go down to the Salida Ranger District and you ask them, like, where are the areas to cut this year? And it's actually some, like, North Cottonwood Creek, like right. some of those areas have, have firewood cutting places. And all you do is go in there, and I, I believe the trees are marked. Um, you have to ask the Forest Service exactly how to delineate between which ones they want cut down and which ones they don't. But you go in there, and then you can you can extract, you know, like a cord of wood, I think, for 10 bucks. I think it's a cord okay. for 10 bucks. And what does a cord equate to? Like, uh, it's like, a, it's, just a, it's just a certain size. I mean, I, I know it if I see it, but I don't know the exact dimensions or okay. or how many pounds it is or whatever. It is it be. like a pallet full of wood? Or? Yeah, it's big, though. I, I would okay. say if you had pallets next to each other, it would probably be... Probably be two by two. Okay. You know, as far wow. as and then size, height, like three and a half, four feet. Okay, maybe. that's a lot of wood. Or or maybe or maybe just two pallets side by side with like about, about a three three and a half foot okay. of wood. But it'll last a while. Okay. Which is, which is great. And so you know, if you could go in there when you're winter camping, I mean, that'd be ideal. And just camp nearby. Yeah, and then just go in there like you know early season mm-hmm. and. Uh, before the snow sets because some some of the locations that they have are low enough in the valley to where you can access it still in the winter but last winter like some of it was up on trout creek pass and that got snowed in okay so after a certain point you're cut off so when you're dealing with your wood Uh for the stove do you whenever you move camp do you just make several trips back and forth from your old spot to your new to like drop off all the wood and stuff? Or what what I'll try to do is I'll try to plan it to where if I, you know, I'll just stay two weeks in one area and then just bounce to another one. Mm-hmm. And I've got it to where I modified the stakes on my tent so I can actually get them out uh, even when the ground's frozen. Hmm. Because otherwise, the first season, my tent stakes were jagged on the side, which is great for holding it into the ground when there's wind, mm-hmm. you know, and it won't pull out or anything. But when the ground freezes, good luck getting those out. You won't right. get them out. Were they plastic or metal? They were metal. Okay. And they were like a V shape, which was kind of weird. It was like huh. it was like a V channel, and then it, they were serrated on the side. So I was like, I didn't really like those. So the stakes that I have now are just one foot long, like you know, huge nails. Just straight stakes. Yeah, yeah. Just, just straight. Those I mean, seem the best because then you can angle them however you want. Yeah, and then, and then you can get them close to the ground. There's not a big old lip to where you can trip right. on them and stuff. And uh, and then they come out easy. I mean, if you ever have any of them that are that are in there real solid, you can just take boiling water and just pour it on top of where the, the hole that goes down and it'll it'll go down the, the whole uh, side of the, the stake and you just pull it right out. It just slides right out. So, so with me moving every two weeks, what I would do is I would plan it to where, okay, I need wood, say, on Tuesday of this week. Well, I'll move on Monday and go get my wood on Tuesday. So at my new location, I have all new fresh wood. So I would okay. move when my wood supply got to the lowest. And I knew that if a certain amount of wood, given the conditions, would get me through a two-week period. So I could kind of, I kind of in my mind, figure it out. Okay. Because like what, what you want to do initially when you have the stove is like you just jam it full of wood and you're jamming and you're, everything's great, but you're chewing through wood so fast. And then you realize finally over time, you're like, I can make this much more efficient and get the same amount of BTUs out of this with like a third of the wood or a right. half of the wood. Because it's easy to burn through it. Yeah. That's one thing you guys will find. So do you keep the wood on top of your, like in the top roof basket? If I have any extra when I move, yeah. Okay. And then when I go to pick it up, 
what I'll do is I, if I can get everything in the back of my truck, I haven't tried this yet with the new slide out, slide out extension, but if I can make the door to where it's, it's for the full size of the back instead of the current 30 inch wide one I have right now, what I could do is I could load the back all full up of wood, put a huge tarp in there and just load it up full of wood. And it's like, it takes up like half of my, my uh, truck bed. Uh -huh. That's 90 bucks worth of wood. And it's usually a little from bit where? from the wood broker at 25 and 58 okay. down at Poncha. It's Gladys and Henry, the, the coolest couple. Um, and uh, so what, what what I can do is I can go down there and I get a little bit of cedar, some black walnut, which are the hardwoods, and then the uh, the starting woods would be like the pinion pine and aspen because okay. those burn hot and fast. So why do you get both cedar and black walnut then? Um, cedar pops a little bit, and so sometimes when you're sleeping, if it's like pop, 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 just constantly, it can keep you up. Uh -huh. But it's nice during the day because it smells so good. Okay. The cedar is incredible. Yeah. And plus two, when you're splitting it, and if you have it inside your scamp or your tent, everything smells like cedar. It smells great. Um, the black walnut, it takes longer for that to light because it's so dense. But once you get it lit, I've had like five to six hour burns out of out of, out of one piece of wood. Wow. Is yeah. it pretty expensive? No. Like it's 90 bucks for all that. Okay. All that together. Is yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's all and together. how long will that last you? And that's that, collectively one cord. Yeah. What you got here? Um, no, no, it's, I'm sorry, it's not one cord. It's like, gosh, I'd say like a third. Okay. But see, the thing is, is like, that's a huge profit for them because you can get a cord for like 140 bucks delivered. Huh. So they're charging 90 for like a third or a half. I'd have to, I'd have to go look at it. But basically what they charge you 90 for is like, you know, like a, a backhoe. Um, you know, they have those yeah. buckets on the front that they use for excavating dirt and stuff. Sure. You fill up that bucket with wood and that's 90 bucks. Okay. So it's, it's a lot. I mean, okay. when you come back to camp and you unload it, you're like, holy shit. I mean, you can make like a stack like a mile high. Okay. But see, you don't want to do that. You don't want to make this huge stack outside because then people are like, oh, I'm going to go look at that. They're in there full time. It just draws attention. So what I would do is I would have some of it inside my tent and have it stored in there and then a little bit outside. So it looked like I was there for like, you know. I'll be here for three days. Yeah, or you know, we've been thinking about getting a hardtop carrier mm, and, that's and good. using that for that yeah. kind of stuff. Because then anything we wanted to hide or have like stored away, we could. Yeah, the one thing about the hardtop carrier would be the weight though with the wood because yeah. the wood can be pretty heavy. But you're right though for other other items, you get them up out of the way. Yeah. They're out of sight, out of mind. Totally. You know, and those things lock up pretty good. So. So how long did ninety dollars worth of wood last you? Uh, if it was, let's say, like there was a snowstorm in there and stuff like that. I'd say like two weeks. Two weeks, okay. And that's, wow, that's burning that, a lot of wood though, huh? Yeah, that was with temperatures. Hey, baby, come here. That was with temperatures that, I mean, were consistently below freezing. Okay. Like even during the daytime. Okay. So, and then if you had it to where, like when we winter camped last winter in October, you know, during the day you didn't have to run the stove yeah. really that much. <clears throat> the passive solar gets you good. And if, and if you're in an area where you have a lot of sun, like a campsite that has a lot of sun, then you can use passive solar all day. You don't have to run your stove and you save money. But you know, you got to think that in the wintertime, especially in the dead of winter, it's it's straight blackout, straight pitch black, you know, nighttime at 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. So you've got really about four hours before you go to bed. So what are you going to do during the time? Well, you obviously get your stove running, you know, stuff like that. So you can chew through your wood pretty quick, okay. quicker than you think. Why don't they make tents black, like winter camping tents? I have no idea. Wouldn't that make sense? Well, you'd think with like, you know, especially with attracting the heat and stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, haven't, I haven't ever, I've never seen, I've never even seen like a canvas tent or anything like that black. It's always just I don't either. Maybe it would get too hot. 
Maybe it's maybe it's so that in the if they if you wanted to use it in the summertime, it wouldn't attract the heat. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, because like I've seen people use the type of tent that I have, you know, for like summer camps and stuff like that. It's just the stove's not in there, and then and then the area that has the stove jack is is closed. Okay. You can you, you can zip that up. That's an, so our winter plans have slightly changed too. Um, I was just diving into stove jacks and how to plug it up and stuff, which is where my mind went. Um, rather than having the wood burning stove outside, we've opted to get a smaller stove and put it inside. And we're trying, or we're talking to Cubic Mini right now and trying to figure out something with them so that we can use one of their stoves. And which which Cubic are you gonna do? Is it the, the cub? The cub, the okay. little guy. Um, there's somebody else on the <coughs> forums that has the same, like the cub stove installed. I do. And where we're going to install it is just to the right of our kitchen counter, like flush with the kitchen counter. So that way we'll have a little cubby underneath it so we can still lay down on that long couch. And, and it'd be nice too, because if it's right next to your kitchen there, then that can be your cooking service. Right. Right. That's got to be killer. It'll be perfect. Dude. So hopefully we'll have that here in the next couple of weeks. And we can get that installed. And then as far as winter goes, we're not like trying to prove anything and like be in the brutalist of winter all winter. You know, we just want to figure out how to be dynamic so that we can travel deeper into the cold months Mm -hmm. to different places and know that we'll be okay. Yeah, it just gives you more flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's one thing I would like to have would be, you know, something where I didn't have to set up that big tent. Yeah. Because that's that's a production. Yeah, it is. And like you guys, when you have your scamp decked out, you know, whatever route you go to, you go with. If it's a cubic mini or whatever other stuff you do, it's like you pull up to camp and you just have your normal setup and you're you're good. I wonder what all you would have to do to the ARB awning uh-huh. to make that suitable. <clears throat> I think it would be just making different walls on it. Yeah. You know, like making like a full on canvas wall. Do the current walls attach all the way to the bottom? Yeah. So it's like a sealed-in box. Yeah, and it even has a floor in it, too. Okay. Yeah. But what I was thinking was if I could... See, the problem is, is once again, the setup and the breakdown. Yeah. You know, with that. If it's a, if it's a side oh, on Oh, because if it were attached to your truck, yeah, you'd have to, like, get a motorcycle or a snowmobile or something. <laughs> we call a it a snowmobile. <laughs> dog sled. That'd, yeah, be, that'd be killer. That's Sierra. <laughs> yeah. Yes. She's out there just working like crazy. Yeah. We're going, like, two miles an hour. It's like... Come on, man. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know, though. I mean, like, another option would be to build out that trailer I have. Yeah. You know, that but, would be cool. Yeah. That's quite a product. That would be a thing, though, to yeah. get that done. Yeah. It'd be a cool project. Because it's I, just a flatbed trailer, right? Yeah, it's just a flat. And then I'd have to put in a subfloor and then build the walls on the side and the top. But there's there's ways to do it. Yeah. I just got to think about it a little bit. Yeah. I could also do it to where it could be like one of those A-frame ones where it's just in the Attached to the front and pops up in the back. I was looking at those, the A-liners. <laughs> yeah, those things are incredible. They're cool. Yeah. And there's a A-liner Scout Light, which is their smallest model. Really? And it weighs like 1,500 pounds or something. Um, and man, those are awesome. And you have such a small form factor when you're towing. And then once you get to the spot, then you have like a nine-foot ceiling, you know? Uh-huh. I think that's one of the best designs out there. Well, if you're not familiar with A-liners, they're like a pop-up trailer, but the both sides fold up to make effectively an A-frame trailer. So it, yeah. they're freaking cool. Is that the Scout Light? Is that the one you're yeah. talking about? I think yeah. it's awesome, though. It's very cool. But, yeah, that's one of the best designs that I've seen. Yeah, because 
Oh, no, that's not it. That's a different one. It's competitive with the scamp for sure. What's the price on something like that? Eh, I think they're 10-ish, 12-something, like low teens, new. Okay. And then um, like 10 all the way down. Man, they were making these back in even like 1999. I saw one listed. I don't know if it was the Scout Light, but it was an A-liner. Really? Yeah. Huh. So those are selling for cheaper. You know, you can pick those up for like seven grand or something. Yeah, it's just nice because it's it's the hard side. Yeah. That's what's nice. But then it's then it's low profile. Though. And man, if you had a wood stove in one of those, I've <laughs> seen one person that did that, and it looked. <laughs> did incredible. you buddy that had the LXE that was or the or the classic, whichever one that was? It was the LXE. I yeah, that thing is really rad. It's very cool. So they even have a liners that have so they fold up both of the ceiling panels fold up to make the A-frame. And then they have another pop-out that folds out of part of the A-frame, making another area to be able to stand in. Yeah. And that's what one of our yeah, friends said that we were talking about. That's incredible. They're pretty cool. cool but yeah, the smaller version, I think, would be excellent. Because it's effectively the same layout as the scamp. Yeah, yeah, it's 13 feet. And I just wish all trailer manufacturers wouldn't use such... 1970s looking materials on the inside yeah I know. all their everything just looks like garbage and then their decals that they put on the side yeah it looks it's like, like old fast and the furious like yeah knockoff it looks lying. so horrible yeah but they look cool the a-liner is like our buddy that has one um i suggested that he pull off his decals and now that he did it looks great you know like uh-huh. super simple and clean but with those like wispy 80s decals on yeah. there it just looks horrendous like that. yeah it's just, it's just dumb. yeah it's goofy uh, all right cool well i uh, any more uh any other updates to your winter plans or um not that i can think of okay and then uh, why don't we talk about what we have coming up real quick oh something that i was thinking about is a chainsaw oh yeah that's good and how to handle that that'd be good to have get a husqvarna and i was looking too at or contemplating uh, electric chainsaws, mm-hmm. but I think I think once we have more solar generation than we do now, because we're going to be pushing our solar with the cloudy winters and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, the much shorter days. Yeah, yeah. so attacking on a chainsaw, <clears throat> an electric chainsaw to that, I think would overburden us. Yeah, I think so. Um, so for the time being, I think a gas chainsaw would be the way. Uh-huh. But how cool would it be to have a chainsaw that nobody could really hear you using? Yeah. You know, because yeah. they're normally so, like, piercingly loud. Yeah, and I have a friend that's used the electric ones. They're, they're available right now over at True Value. Really? Yeah, they've got the, they've got the Husqvarna one on there. And he's used that before, and he said you can get the same amount of cut time out of a full charge that you can out of a full tank of gas. Really? So you can cut for hours. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe that could still be an option. Since we'd be burning through such, like, small pieces of wood, yeah. I bet the chainsaw would rip through them quick. Yeah, that's true. And you could also, too, just get, like, a little handsaw, too. Cause yeah, the, the, the ones that's, that, that's how we'll start, for sure. Yeah, because, like, the, 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 like, the silky, uh, yeah. whatever they're called, uh, handsaws, those things jam through wood, man. Yeah. And you're going to not have the biggest pieces in in, this, in that one because it's a smaller Yeah, we still. can't have big pieces. Yeah, so that you could effectively do it with that, and then it's, it'd be nice because then you wouldn't have to worry about, like, the gas smell or transporting the, you know, the the chainsaw yeah the, the 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 oil the like the that lubricates the bar of the of the chainsaw sometimes that can leak out where it comes in and lubricates the chain and that can get all over everything too so just keep that in mind interesting so okay. you may want to consider the electric one if if you have enough capacity to charge it yeah but you also think too you're not gonna be using it every day exactly yeah so yeah 
So maybe we will get it. Maybe we'll. I'll use the handsaw until I can justify an electric one. There you go. And then we'll do that. Yeah. So we'll probably never buy an electric one. I'll just use <laughs> a handsaw forever. Awesome. You want to dive into off grid energy? Yeah. Well, real quick, let's just let's just say what we have going on. We got the Merrill shoot coming up oh, uh, right. on Monday, so we're pretty stoked about that. We're doing a, a project, a trail repair project, in Monday or on on coming up this Monday in the uh, Southern Holy Cross Wilderness area. And so it's pretty cool. They're going to be launching a new boot around this potentially. So it'd be, it, that'll be cool for us to be a part of that. Totally. And then, um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, I've got the documentary coming up, but we don't really have a estimated release date on that yet. Yeah, and we're going to be going out of town next week for a little bit. And then once we get back, we'll do a bunch of fun stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, sounds good. So, well, let's, let's hop into the off-grid energy for the nomadic lifestyle. Cool. Uh, I think that's going to be a good topic for a lot of people. And um, Before we do that, I'm going to swap a battery. Okay, now we're going. Okay. All right, so for for my off-grid energy uses, I'm, I'm pretty minimal with what I have. And there's a couple practices that I always adhere by. When I was in the corporate world, one of the dorky things we used to say in the sales environment was ABC, always be closing. It's a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross reference. But uh, I've got one of the similar acronym out here. It's always be charging. <laughs> so it's one. It's important that when you're driving to be able to utilize the power that you're generating. And I do that through the cigarette lighters. I've got two cigarette lighters in my truck, which I can plug either USB ports into or, or the cell phone booster into and be able to power things or charge things up. I've also got the 400 watt inverter in the bed of my truck, but the drawback to that is the truck has to be running or at least the battery turned on in my truck to use it. So that's somewhat limiting. And then I have the Solar Home 620 from BioLite. That's a lighting, music, battery bank, and charging station kind of all in one. It's got a 20 watt hour battery and a six watt solar panel that charges up pretty quick. And full sun, it's I'd say it's, it gets a full charge in four to five hours. And the one thing I really like about that is the motion sensor light that I have, which I can hang out the back of my truck for camp security. Because two nights ago, we did have some animals in camp again, and uh, the light went off, and I could hear them scurry off. So I don't know what they were. I got out and looked for tracks. I couldn't find any, but I was thinking probably like deer or elk. Cool. It wasn't a bear. But um, the things that I charge, uh, whether I'm driving or if I'm set up at camp and using the USB component to the 20 watt hour battery that I have with the solar home 620 I only charge a few items I've got my computer which I can charge off a of USB I've got a, my phone um, my Canon camera my inReach GPS uh, I've got a headlamp which I can charge via a, a USB port I've got two AA rechargeable batteries I'm sorry two two D rechargeable batteries and four AA rechargeable batteries and that's it so my needs of as far as like energy creation just aren't that much mm -hmm. but also it's just me i'm solo i'm not well and you have the technology to accommodate you like everything has a built-in battery and yeah you're not really leaning on ac power all that much right i don't need it all the time so that's what's nice you yeah. know and so I, I can charge things up as needed when i'm driving to different locations and then if i'm set up at a location uh, for an extended period of time you know, I'll turn on my truck every once in a while, run, run it for like 20 minutes and use the inverter along with the solar bank that I have. Okay. But for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty sufficient. That small 20 watt hour solar bank gets you a good amount of usage, right? Yeah, it does. I can charge, 
I could do like a full iPhone charge on it from zero to 100%. Uh, I can do about half of my computer if, if I can, if uh, if I've got a full charge on the solar bank. As far as the GPS goes, I mean, heck, I could charge that thing a, a couple times. So, with a to give you some context into like what watt hours are a or to the how much energy that is, a iPhone is like five and a half watt hours of storage. Um, or at like a computer, like my MacBook Air is like 50 watt hours of storage. Yeah, my MacBook Pro is 54.5 watt hours of storage. So the BioLite is 20 watt hours. So you could charge three and a half iPhones on that charge. Uh-huh. So it's actually a decent amount of power. Yeah, and it's great too because like, like you guys told me when I first started to dabble in solar, you guys had already been in it for a little while. Um, you know, it's like if I charge the items while it's in full sun, yeah, then the battery doesn't just drain without it being, you know, replenished right. and you can charge a lot more. So, so that, that's where it goes back to that. You know, always, always be, charged. be charging. Yeah. Right. And that seems, that mantra seems to serve me well. Yeah. Uh, so what you're talking about there is say we have our main battery charged up to full. And if there's any sun still out, at that time, whenever your main battery is full, you should definitely be charging all your peripheral devices because otherwise all of that extra energy that you're generating is wasted. So you're, you build up your cumulative power bank once your main power is full. Mm-hmm. So when we're in full sun and our battery's charged, that's when we're like plugging in our laptops and all that like big stuff to charge Yeah. because then you're boosting your peripheral power bank. Well, that's a great thing to 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 remember because a lot of times you think well i'll just charge i'll i'll, I'll lay the solar panel out and get the battery to 100 percent and you don't think about daisy chaining things on there to charge right you know at least i didn't initially so yeah. it's just it's just a good practice i think to you know be charging while you're charging the battery as well yeah charge other stuff off of it or you can just charge you can also charge direct from the solar panels lots of uh, solar panels have built-in battery banks now to where you can even... That's one thing that's so cool about BioLite solar panels. Yeah, they got Versus a... the little Goal Zero, Goal Zero ones. Uh-huh. The small, like, 10-watt BioLite panels have a built-in battery. Yeah, like let, you're me see, saying. let me see how big that battery is. I think it's uh, 10,400 milliamp hours. Let me see real quick. So this is... So a lot of people speak in terms of amp hours... And I think that's really confusing because it assumes the voltage. You're, you have to assume the voltage to figure out what that power actually means. So like with, um, if we were talking about milliamp hours in a phone, figuring out how much actual storage that is, is subjective to volts. Oh, I see. You know? Yeah. So if you're talking watt hours, then you're accommodating both amps and volts. Because yeah. amps times volts equals watts. Let's see. The, the foldable, the, like the solar panel 10 plus that BioLite has, it has a, well, it's got 10 watts of usable electricity that comes from okay. the panel. But then a, a, it has a store, it has a battery, though, that you can recharge on there. It's 3,000 milliamp hours. Okay. So. I wonder what that equates to in watt hours. Uh-huh. But it's cool that they have that because then, you know, you, you can have your main battery, then you can have a backup battery bank with this <clears throat> while still generating 10 watts of usable energy. Sorry, I'm trying to look up how I don't want to deal with that right now. <laughs> See, if they would have listed in one hours, then there'd be no ambiguity and we'd already have this figured out. <laughs> Should we talk about 
our system now? Yeah, why don't we talk about yours? Because mine's so basic. I mean, that's it. I, it's really like tra- uh, training wheels solar. Because yeah. I because I use the 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 car to charge so much because I drive so much. Right. With work with doing work stuff and so. Um, and your main energy use is your computer right right and that's always charging when i'm driving right so i can charge it off of the and it's cool too brian has the new version of the macbook pro so it's not using the magsafe charger so he can plug it's using usb-c instead so he can go straight from any usb port and charge his computer yeah and it's it's slower but it's it can still do it it's just dependent on the voltage output of the usb Mm -hmm. so if you're using like the little white like uh wall plugs that iPhone that come with iPhones those put out I think it's like I think it's five two, volts I, I think it's actually is, isn't it less than that like I, I think it's five volts at uh, like two watts it, it equates watts. five volts at one watt or oh, something watt, it yeah. equates to like one or, or um, five or six watt hours or watts of output oh, okay when you're charging them gotcha um, okay let's let's switch to our stuff I'm gonna do the batteries yeah okay All right, so we'll dive into my system, or Elsa and I's system. When we started out, we just were using the BioLite Camp Stove 2 to generate power. Uh-huh. And the Camp Stove 2 has a little lithium battery in the back, and as you burn wood in it, it charges the battery. Oh, that's cool. So we had, did I say it has a 9.6 watt hour battery? Did I say that? Um, so yeah, the Camp Stove 2 has a 9.6 watt hour battery. So if it's completely charged, we could charge our iPhones, like both of them, almost, mm. you know? Because uh, each iPhone is like a five watt hour battery, just about. Okay. So just to give that some perspective. But we ran with that exclusively to charge our phones and stuff and uh, for, I don't know, a few months before we eventually got our uh, Yeti 400, the Goal Zero Yeti 400. It's a AGM battery with a 400 watt hour capacity, and it has a solar controller, AC inverter, four USB ports, a 12 volt out port, and it can be charged by 12 volt in a car or the AC wall outlet or a solar panel. That's great. Um, we had a 30 watt solar panel, but the maximum efficiency that we generally got out of it led to about 25 watts of energy coming in. So over the course of four hours, we could put uh, 100 watt hours of storage into the battery. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So over the course of yeah four hours, we could charge just about two MacBook Airs mm-hmm. because the MacBook Airs have about a 50 watt hour capacity. Um, with the AGM batteries, you generally don't want to run them much under half of their overall capacity because it'll start to degrade the um, life of the battery, so it'll hold less charge. Mm. Um, so that's something to factor in. So with a 400-watt-hour AGM, you really only have about 200 or so watt-hours to really work with before you want to charge it back up again. Okay. Um, versus like a lithium battery you can run all the way down. So the battery that we got a few months back is a 1000 watt hour Goal Zero Yeti 
lithium. So you have 1,400 hours total. 1,400 watt hours total. But within the AGM, since you don't really want to run it under uh, 50%, you really have about 200 watt hours of active power before you start to degrade the battery. Okay. That being said, in the winter, last winter, when that was our only battery source, we oftentimes ran it down to what read out as 20%. But it starts blinking 20% anytime it's any under 40. So it could be at 39% and the 20 starts blinking. I see. So it's kind of confusing. Or the, yeah, anyway, <laughs> that's kind of, it's pretty subjective to that. Yeah. Um, but I do really appreciate that Goal Zero speaks in terms of watts on all their devices because it's so easy without the ambiguity of translating amps into watts given how much voltage you're running it's just yeah. it's confusing and it's subjective because you can be running or pulling different voltages at different times and i think that's what's confusing for just the normal person yeah you so know, like they, even they, with a computer mm-hmm. you could i could be running nothing or like t- just taking notes and my computer would last a long time but if i was like rendering videos for example it could maybe last an hour yeah. that's because the energy pull from the internal battery is variant depending on the processes that you're running. Yeah. So if you're just speaking in amps and you don't take into account volts, then your overall readout's always the same, but it's not, it's confusing. Yeah. yeah. But, but and I, I think that's why most people, when they inquire about this lifestyle, they think about it full time. Most of the questions come from, okay, how does your energy setup look? Right. And how, how does that support you when you're out there? Because everybody's needs are different. Yeah. You know? So. But everybody also, or many people also assume that they'll have the same luxuries that they have in their normal house. Yeah. But the, the like, truth is that when you transition to solar, you have to do things slightly differently and be, you have to just be mindful of that. And if you're mindful of it and you're, um, like, getting, in using the right things at the right times and, like, doing everything in an intelligent way, mm-hmm. then a little bit of power can get you a long way. Yeah. But if you're trying to like run your hair dryer and your microwave and stuff. Yeah. If you're back in there with the blender making margaritas. Yeah. Right? Then <laughs> you're going to eat through your, you're going to eat through your power. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think too, it's finding those uh, products that fit with how your electricity, totally. how, how you're set up electrically. So what we run on our um, solar right now is one, the WeBoost. Mm-hmm. Uh, which pulls like 10-ish watts, and it's the WeBoost 65, the RB65 yeah. cell booster. Mm-hmm. And ours is directional. Uh, I think the WeBoost is just awesome. Yeah, but I we had can, a great look in my truck. Yeah, we can toggle it on and off. So most of the time we leave it off, and we only turn it on when we need to make a call or send a yeah, message or check, nice. whatever. Yeah. Uh, other things we run, we power both of our iPads, our drone, all of our cameras, uh, GoPros and DSLR and mirrorless and G7X, all of them. Uh-huh. Um, both of our computers, the fans. So uh, the fans that we have are some of the only things that constantly vamp energy as they're being used because they don't have their own internal power. So if uh, both of our fans, we have to have plugged in all the time. Uh-huh. And it's better, we found, to run in... A DC power fan, like a USB or uh, even 12 volt, whatever, because mm-hmm. that way you don't have to convert the energy into AC because mm-hmm. that wastes a little bit of power in the inversion. So having things that are powered by DC is generally better. Uh, lights, so we have the BioLite 
base lantern XL and it has about 20 watt hours of storage in it. That's amazing it has that in a little thing. I, th I think it's about 20 watt hours. Don't quote, quote me on that. I think you're right though because we used it one time when we were all filming for the documentary and that thing it I mean, it lasts like forever. forever. Yeah. But to give you some perspective, that's about, you could reliably charge like three iPhones on it. Yeah, and like half of a MacBook. Yeah. Uh, R roughly. Just, like, just probably, less probably, than about four, probably about 40%. Yeah, I think you could reliably say like a third yeah. of a MacBook. Yeah. Um, and you could actually charge yours with that because mm -hmm. it's USB-C. Yeah. With mine, that's the bummer about uh, the MagSafe port is for a while, like for MagSafe 1, which is the charging port for Max. That's is that the one that has the it's like got the magnetic Yeah. yeah so, 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 you, so when you're charging it it kinda goes Yeah. Right it snaps on and yeah. if you bonk it it just comes off. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't like pull your laptop on the ground. It's a great thing, but in with the MagSafe two port, which my computer is, there's no way to charge it directly with DC. Um, and I think it's it has to do with how much voltage they want to push into the battery to uh, like reliably charge it. I'm really not sure, but with that, it, it just sucks that I have to only charge my DC battery with AC energy that's converted from another DC battery. Yeah, it's just wasteful because yeah. there's entropy in that inversion. Mm -hmm. um, so I wish that I could charge it with DC. Since you can, like that's it's super it, it's badass. just a great option. Yeah, you know, because that that way I don't have to run the. Uh, the actual plug inverter that I have. Right, and so. you could even charge your computer <laughs> with like uh, the little Gold Zero solar panels or the BioLite one, mm -hmm. or even the little Anchor batteries. If you're not familiar with the company Anchor, it's A-N-K-E-R. Mm -hmm. They make some excellent uh, like small lithium power banks. Yeah, and I want to get the Charge 40 from BioLite. Yeah. Try that one out, because that's, that a, that's be a big really cool. battery bank. Yeah, it is. A couple of those and one of their solar panels, and you'd be. I think you'd rocking. be. Yeah, you'd be good. Even with one of them, you'd be great. Yeah, because it's like that bank is small. Yeah. With Forty, it's not that big. And it, forty watts is a good amount of power. Yeah, it is. And it's so a little I, lithium battery too, I bet. Well, and then, and then I've got the capability for the for the solar home to get up to hundred watt hours. Oh, interesting. So I, I need to email. Can you bridge that. those together? I think you. Uh, I think it's daisy chain. That's how it, that how, that's okay. how it increases everything. Because you can also get a full on panel for it. Cool. It has, it has a, the big plug on the side. And the cool thing about their panels is they have a battery built in. Yeah. So they even have a little bit of uh, energy storage built into the panel itself. Yeah, I think the Solar Ten, like we were talking, I think it's three thousand three hundred milliamp hours. Okay. So. Whatever that equates to. Probably like nine watts. <laughs> I wish they would speak in watt hours I exclusively. <laughs> I wish everybody would. Yeah, it just makes but, more sense. Yeah. Um, At least for us, it does. So let's see what else. Anything else? Do you have? Do you get? Are you guys planning to add anything? Eh. I mean, you've got the stove coming, but that's that's really, not electric. We got the. Uh, we bought the. Yeti 1000 because it was on open box for like $500 off hmm. and we knew that eventually we would want a lithium battery and eventually we would want more storage so we just went ahead and pulled the trigger on it uh -huh. um, and it's honestly a little bit overkill but it's really nice because we can be a little bit lazier with it because hmm. normally so before we had the 1000 we just had the 400 with a 30 watt panel and like I said we could get like 25 watts out of it generally um, we now with the 1000 have a hundred watt panel that we can generally get like 85 watts out of. So we can it's put away good. a lot of power pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, like enough for, enough for a day of usage over the course of a 
couple hours, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so that way we don't have to be nearly as diligent with positioning the panels and stuff. Gotcha. Because if any shade hits... Yeah, it's amazing. Panel, it just makes it go to a fraction. Yeah, it tanks it. There are different panels that you can buy that can have different amounts of shade on them and still communicate. Because I think it has to do with like how they split up the um, power generation. Like it has to have individual... Uh, I can't remember what they're called. Con not controllers, but... Uh, I don't know what it's called, but it has to like split up the panel into little power modules gotcha. rather than it like the power running all through all the whole wiry maze of the panel and then straight out. It like segments it. That makes sense. Um, so you can buy those, but with our current panels, if a stick or something is covering it, it'll yeah. nuke the power. And, and it's amazing. Like I could take like my pinky finger and go right over the corner yeah. of my panel and it goes from a hundred percent or 90% sun or 95% or sun, because that, my readout is how much sun I'm getting on okay. it. Okay. Uh, that's what the readout is in the solar home. It goes from like 90% to like 25. Yeah. It, and I'm like, I'm like I'm covering one-fiftieth of this panel right. with shade, and it takes it all the way down to that. So yeah. it has a huge impact. I on think it. a lot of, I, I, that's why I really appreciate the input-output read on the um, Goal Zero batteries, because mm -hmm. it reads out how much, energy you're pus pushing out in amps, watts, and volts, like you can toggle through them. Mm -hmm. So then when I plug in the panel, I can see exactly how much efficiency I'm getting out of the panel, rather than it just ambiguously turning on a light that says it's charging. So I bet a lot of people that have their panels hard mounted aren't getting near the amount of power that they think they are if they're in like even the most moderate amount of shade, or if their panel isn't directed perpendicular to the sun, you know? Yeah, I've even seen some some vehicles as of late that have panels on the side of them. Yeah. And, th and, and like, like, they'll wrap the entire, and I'm thinking, like, dude, the ones on the sides just aren't getting... Unless they, like, angle them out from the bottom or something. And these ones weren't. They were, like, hard-sided on it. They were hard-mounted. And I thought, that's, that's just a waste. I mean... Yeah. You know? Yeah, because throughout the day, I probably... If, if I'm at the scamp all day long and I'm trying to make power all day, I'll probably move the panel once every hour or so. Mm -hmm. And the position of the panel from the morning to the evening changes drastically. Yeah. Like if I were to just lay it flat on the ground, I would not get nearly the amount of power into it that I get by pointing it directly at the sun. Yeah. So that's something to be mindful of if you have a panel that doesn't have, or a battery that doesn't have an actual readout of how much energy you're generating. If it's not placed like exactly then you're probably making like 50 percent of what it says on the panel itself yeah i'd say so anything else oh the, the main things that you can't do with solar or you can do them but it's just expensive um is heating and cooling yeah definitely. so one way that we have found that we can heat ourselves at least a little bit is a uh, electric blanket mm -hmm. But they pull, I think the one that we tested pulled anywhere from like 80 watts to 200 or something like that. So if we were diligent about it and set an alarm or something, we could run that without really tanking our power. Uh -huh. But I think that is something that we'll probably get for the winter is a little... Yeah, I should talk, I should talk to my buddy Chris about that. He, he He's in, uh, I think, Indiana. And he uses in the back of his Tundra, he uses the Yeti 400 with... Um, electric blanket he can run it all night really yeah but there's blankets that they make that are low voltage yeah. and they pull a lower amount I mean it's much less yeah but they don't have 
the high settings. But if like, you put that under your sleeping exactly. bag. Exactly. If you put that on your floor, the, the, it's just like that radiant heat yeah. that you would have in a house. Yeah. And it just comes right up. And he said he can put his on low, and he's toasty all night long, no matter how cold it gets. Interesting. Yeah. He, I mean, like, comfortable toasty. That's something that we will probably do. Mm-hmm. Because then, if we don't want to get up and deal with the wood-burning stove in the yeah. winter, we can just Cause, that on. Because that's definitely a thing. Yeah. Because that's one thing about winter camping in the tent is I don't get near the consistent sleep. Yeah. Like, like full night's sleep, I'm waking up to stoke the stove. Something I was also looking at is, like, soapstones in mm-hmm. different ty- rocks that retain heat mm-hmm. that we could heat up throughout the day and then, like, keep it at the foot of our bed or whatever throughout mm-hmm. the night. And you can also have it just like a tray underneath your stove, you know. Yeah. Have the rocks there that could push out ambient. Yeah, but that's the only... Well, another thing, they do make little tiny battery-powered um, heaters, and those could work. We even have an electric heater that goes all the way down to, like, 800 watts, I think, uh-huh. of pull. And if you had a big enough system... Yeah, you, could, you could totally run that. Run that. Yeah. Like, if you had a bunch of golf cart batteries even lined up, like, four or five of them or something, you could do it. Mm-hmm. And you could run AC, too. That's that, that's where, like, having a full-on RV is, yeah. is advantageous. Right, because then you have all that mounting room. Yeah, because, like, in my space, I don't have enough room to mount anything like that. But you have AC. That's one of the things about truck camping and vans that's mm-hmm. so cool is that you have access to the AC and the heat from the vehicle. Right. You know? I've done that. When it's been snowing out, there's been a time with this new uh, slide-out extension. I made a donut through the, the pass-through windows in the back because mm-hmm. <laughs> they line up. The topper window lines up with the center window in the back of the truck topper. So I just opened that up, and I put, like, a, 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 a coat, like a, you know, waterproof coat around there because it was snowing. Yeah. And I put it around there and created, like, a seal, and then I turned on the heater in there. Man, I was jamming. That's awesome. Yeah. The only thing is, I would like to do what I what I would think would be great is to have an automatic start and stop, like a totally. like a keyless one, you know, yeah. to where I can just hit it, turn it on, have everything preset to the way I want it. So if it's cold out, then I've got the heater already set to to high. Turn it on, and once the car warms up, then it warm warm everything up back in there. And then I turn it off with the remote. It may be cool to even have like plug up the side vents uh-huh. on the far side. Yeah, of the just car. have that center stuff coming straight yeah. back. And yeah. you could even run like conduit onto that, so it's like more directional, mm-hmm. so that it's not having to heat up the cab first. It's, it's surprising. So when I did it, I, I did shut off the you know the, the vents on the other side, just had the interior ones blown, and kind of had a mangle back in there. But it was amazing how much of a flow it came through. Cool. Like, I was like, wow, this is full on. Yeah, that's something that makes, like, the tow behind, like, the scamp. Mm-hmm. That's something that sets truck camping and vans and all and motorhomes yeah. uh, league above. You know, somebody suggested to me, I guess, like, there's there are these diesel oil heaters yeah. that you can get. And I, I guess the truckers use those. Yeah. That's so what that's just... that's why when you go to, like, those truck stops, it smells like diesel so much at night. I mean, so, obviously, their trucks are running, but then they have those stoves, was, too. It may have been the same conversation, but okay. I was talking to a guy, and he said that with the diesel, like, truck heaters, he actually has a heater that goes into his fuel line for his diesel uh-huh. and siphons fuel off that so he doesn't have to run his actual engine. Wow. And it's like, uh, I mean, it saves super, him a lot of fuel. Yeah, right? and apparently they're really effective. Yeah, like, that's what this guy's saying. Like, like all, the, all the big truckers use it. Yeah. Like those big, you know, 18-wheelers and stuff. If you're ever looking for, like, weird nomad gadgets, yeah. truck stops yep. are the jam. There's that's, a bunch of weird stuff. Like those 
little lunch boxes that heat up food mm-hmm. off of 12 volt and yeah and like all sorts of headsets yeah. for talking to people if you want to do cb headsets or cell phone headsets or whatever it may be but they have ones i saw a cb headset that was 247 dollars. like it was like like the command module for the uss enterprise or something you know <laughs> that you would use but but it's like they have everything there and uh it's a great place to get ideas totally for stuff because like you got to think everything in there is geared towards living in your vehicle just a bigger one which is a truck yeah. but you can modify stuff or you can find things that are small enough to do it what a i'll do is go to those spots and look for like you said ideas mm-hmm. and generally it's not like the best build quality yeah. so i'll go online and look for a similar thing that's built well and then mm-hmm. get that you know and the nice thing about most of the stuff there is that you can power it with a cigarette lighter right. so it has those plugs which is that's so great right because that's good good power um, another thing too is a, for whatever reason, the places that I've found that have the most ingenious products are always in the Midwest, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So like, you know, like there was this one place in Oklahoma that I was driving along, and it was literally like it was past Oklahoma City as you're getting you're getting close to Texas, in the middle of nowhere, and it's like truck camper Shangri La. You pull up, you know, they're they're playing like Jimmy Buffett songs and stuff, and you get out and everybody's partying, and you go in there, and literally they had it was wall to wall full of like all these incredible items for living in your vehicle. Cool. So, you know, there's stuff out there. There's resources. Don't don't look like, don't, don't think you have to make everything, DIY it or right. stuff like that. Like there's People have generally thought of yeah, everything. Yeah, and a lot of stuff comes from the marine world. So you yeah. got to think like boats have been doing it small and lightweight for a long time. Totally. So that's another, another resource. So Cool. Should we wrap this one up for now? Yeah, why don't we go ahead? And if you guys have any questions, please shoot them over, especially on all this solar stuff because I know we kind of ran through a lot. Yeah, it can be confusing just because of the computations involved in trying to figure out what your needs are. But uh, if you have a specific question, we definitely love to try to help troubleshoot that. Totally. And, yeah, so my email is barrenlink at gmail.com. And I'm Brian at coloradobackcountryadventures.com. Cool. And let's see what else. Let's see. And if you want to send us a audio file of any questions oh, yeah. you have, please do that. Because I think it's way more fun and more interactive to have those on the podcast. Yeah. And if you want to ask us anything about Chris and Caitlin as well, we could pass some questions along to them. Because we're planning to have them on the podcast again eventually. For sure. So. Well, cool, guys. Thanks for tuning in. All right. I hope everybody's having a good weekend. Peace.